Hello and welcome to the RadioTimes.com Doctor Who podcast. My name's Hugh. My name's Morgan. And this week, we're here to review a Doctor Who episode. Yes, it's like we're back in Jan slash Feb slash March 2020, um, albeit slightly more at home, uh, because there's a new episode of Doctor Who out, which we can talk about. Specifically, we're talking about Revolution of the Daleks, the New Year's Day special, which came out on January 1st, 2021. Uh, Morgan, do you want to give us a little pressy for where we find ourselves at the beginning of the episode? Sure. So uh, having become separated at the end of the last series, uh, the Doctor and her companions, they have been uh, torn apart. So the Doctor finds herself in space prison uh, and has been there for an unspecified amount of time, but certainly a long, long time, uh, decades, while her companions have been, her fam, have been stuck on Earth um, for around 10 months um, and are very grumpy about it considering the Doctor has been <laughs> locked away for far, far longer. I thought that um, was odd. I mean, she, she never says, you know, for me, it's been like, you know, at least 19 years, possibly like 100 years <laughs> or something, right? Oh, 10 months, tough. Yeah. And I, I, I know time passes differently probably for, for Time Lords. They have a different sense of time, but all the same, like, come on, Yaz, like, you know, rein it in a little bit. So yeah, so that's happening. Um, uh, how will the Doctor escape? We'll get onto that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, as as teased um, by by Chris Chibnall and Matt Strebens, uh, Revolution of the Daleks serves as a sequel of sorts to uh, Resolution, the last outing for the Daleks, and we see uh, what fate befell the Recon Dalek and how it allowed, as as predicted, as theorised, uh, the British government to develop its own man-made Dalek drones. Yes. I mean, we were pretty spot on there, right? Like we kind of talked about this uh, before in a not, couple of podcasts. Yeah, not to brag, but <laughs> yeah, we, we we kind of guessed that this was going to be like, here's the ruins of the old Dalek. We'll make a new Dalek, and you know, maybe I can't remember. If, yeah, I think we said they might clone them. I mean, the thing that I didn't expect was the whole thing with the Dalek mutant clone being conscious and kind of making the other Daleks. That kind of made, mm. it made sense for like why they'd all turn evil. I, didn't, I, I, was, I was kind of missing that piece in, in our theory, but um, yeah. yeah you know. I mean, Dalek, Dalek mutants now have all kinds of powers that we never knew about. They can, they can control minds. They can apparently teleport while under ultraviolet light, um, shoot laser beams. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that is that, that that's kind of where we're at yeah basically the british government is building these daleks specifically uh, robertson played by chris noth who's back uh for the uh, technology mr uh, technology minister uh joe patterson played by harriet walter um, who then becomes prime minister and yeah they're making these daleks robertson doesn't actually know what he's making uh the fan kind of realize what's going on um but yeah but first they have to kind of talk yaz into helping out and i feel like one of the things we should talk about start because it kind of pops up quite early on in the episode is this is quite an interesting episode for Yaz I think like they've really leaned into the whole Mandip Gill um Jodie Whittaker relationship which obviously makes a lot of sense because Bradley Walsh and Tosin Carl are leaving so you kind of need to be like what's for Doctor and Yaz now I mean Jodie Whittaker said the next series is the new adventures of the Doctor and Yaz in Doctor Who magazine she's described it as that so we kind of very much see Yaz as the kind of like you know she's the person trying to track down the Doctor again a little bit like Donna but with um more post-its <laughs> you know we kind of have it she's been sleeping in that TARDIS she's is she trying to make the TARDIS work is that what she's kind of kind of doing I, I think it's yeah at certain points she's talking about that they've tried to make the TARDIS work and they can't figure it out yeah no it's interesting with with Yaz it kind of foreshadows the fact that she's going to stick around and that uh Ryan and Graham don't because uh Yaz has clearly not let go of the Doctor mm. she hasn't moved on in those 10 months she's still very much obsessing over the Doctor and and, and her time with the Doctor um whereas ryan has very much moved on like in those 10 months he's kind of 
uh, moved on from his time spent on the TARDIS. He's, he's uh, built kind of a new life for himself on Earth or rediscovered his old life. And although um, although I'd, I'd say his, his exit is maybe um, explored in a little more detail, like his reasons for leaving than, than Graham's, which I'm sure we'll get onto, but it does feel like even from their first scene, it feels like those two have gone back to living their, their old lives or at least you know, slightly different versions of their old lives. Um, but they're comfortable back on Earth, whereas Yaz still has kind of itchy feet. She can't let go of, of the life she once led. I mean, to be honest, we've said it before on this podcast, it always kind of felt like Graham and Ryan were a bit ambivalent about the whole travelling in space and time thing anyway. Um, yeah. Like, you know, Graham was sort of vaguely enjoying it um, and Ryan seemed a bit put out <laughs> to be, to be travelling at all. Um, so I think it, it kind of makes sense what we know about those characters. And it is interesting because it kind of foregrounds Yaz as being kind of more like a, a rose figure, like this, this character who really wants to be there, who really is, you know, kind of full of wonder and stuff. And I'm kind of really interested to see how they do that. Like, we've never really had Yaz as a, She's always been a, a main character, but not yet as like the co-lead on the show. And I feel mm. like I'm kind of interested to see what they do with that. Um, obviously, though, it's interesting see- as well. Interesting as well, because we thought that maybe um, with the fam stuck on Earth, Captain Jack was going to arrive and interact more directly with them and serve as a sort of, sort of doctor substitute figure. Um, but that doesn't happen. What actually happens is with Ryan, Ryan and Graham being a lot more kind of complacent Yaz almost takes the doctor role early on for, for a few scenes at least she's definitely sort of the driving force saying no come on we've got to we've got to do this we've got to do that she kind of takes charge of of that trio well there's that bit where she directly says it, do- it doesn't work when I say it do you know what I mean like she says <laughs> something that the doctor would say and has yeah. said I think and you know it doesn't work and I think there's doctor who has a fun little vein of that like there's a bit of a running sort of thing in Torchwood where you know Jack does something that the doctor has done and he's seen him do mm and it doesn't work for him. You know, like he gives an ultimatum mm. and it doesn't work in Children of Earth. You know, he tries to forgive his enemy uh, in Exit Wounds and it doesn't work like it did with the Master, you know? So I think there's mm. kind of a thread of that. The thing I'd say about that, and I'd say about, about that section in general, is I think that they've got a really interesting setup for this episode, which is the Doctor in Prison, the Fam on Earth, you know? And I do think that they move on from that very quickly. So, I mean, mm. you know, people watching have will know this, but in, in the sort of build up to this episode, we're very much told about, you know, the, this, what we were told about this episode is kind of dealt with in about the first 10, 15 minutes. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like the yeah. old doctor in prison, what are, these da- what are these Daleks, the fam trying to self us on earth. Like the doctor gets back to them very quickly. Um, mm. And I do think it's kind of a shame because I actually think the, the scenes of the doctor in prison, I think were some of my favorites in the episode. I thought it was really interesting. I loved seeing the classic monsters or not even classic, I suppose. I mean, they're sort of classic modern monsters, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, so we got a Weeping Angel again, which is great. It's the first time we've seen the Weeping Angels. I think we said technically saw some in um, Heaven Sent. Mm. No, Hellbent. Hellbent. We saw some Hellbent. in Hellbent. Um, and I think that's been it. So that's about five years ago. And obviously you see a Sycorax of all things. Yeah. Um, but Sycorax and the Ood, but, you know, on, embarking on a kind of life of crime together is a, is a series <laughs> I want to watch. How did that happen? Um, or listen to Big Finish. Yeah, Big Finish. Obligatory mention. Uh, you get the pating back, you know, you've got, um, you see some silence. Silent. That was, mm. I think, one of the best gags of the episode. The, yeah, um, I yeah. forgot you were there. You actually do see him, because I, I, I went back through again, you do see him, um, again, like in the first scene where she sees the Weeping Angels, like you can see right. silent in the background. I didn't, I didn't spot him in that first scene, or maybe <laughs> I did. Um, but yeah I'm sure loads of fans are going to be combing through there's that one big wide shot where I think you can see like a Scythra sort of scorpion thing you can see maybe a Varga plant I don't know and Mm. maybe 
um, a Cyberman. It's hard to say, but I think that, I think people will be having a look through and seeing all that. But I, I thought that was all really fun, you know. And I think the idea of the fam kind of trying to manage on their own is quite an interesting one. It's a vein that they've sort of tapped a little bit before in things like Spyfall. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. But it goes very quickly, you know. The doctor, you feel like you're about to go to another montage of a doctor's prison life, and then Jack's just there, mm. and Jack immediately breaks her out, like with this magic ball of magic that he is carrying around with him, and then they're just out and they're fine. Yeah, which I have to say, like. I guess it's because you had the big, um, grand secret at the time, reintroduction of Jack in, in Fugitive of the Jadoon. You know, you had the, the brilliant reintroduction where you hear his voice and you're like, is it, is it? And yeah. then he appears and you missed me, right? And you have the big, you have the big moment. And it was a big surprise and, for people as well. Like it was genuinely a secret yeah, they kept pretty well. It, it was a brilliant, huge surprise and, and sort of played with the right level of, of drama. And here, I guess it's because we you know we know jack is coming back so it's not it's not played as a surprise which is fair enough but it's still quite a grand moment i think you know the doc uh, the doctor and jack reuniting and he's just sort of there which it's like i don't <laughs> that scene is odd as, as fantastic as it is to have him back and i you know he's immediately you know john barrowman is immediately just just throws himself back into the role brilliantly the the way in which that scene is played is quite odd like the doctor just sort of turns around and jack is there there's no yeah. there's, there's no grand reveal Exactly. It kind of just like build, but it kind of comes out of nowhere almost. Like that he's there. Like yeah. I'm not sure how you would have done it differently. Is, is the weird thing, but I, I, but I can sort of see like, you know, like the thing with the knocking of the cell. Like maybe if there was more build up and like, you know, mm. like it took a bit longer. I just feel like they they wanted the doctor out of prison and they got her out very quickly. I feel like maybe I could have done with a third, you know, outing. Mm. Like maybe she got a message that second little sequence and sort of mysterious. And like, oh, what's that about? go back to earth and then you know jack comes a bit later i don't know but then i guess it's quite a long episode anyway 70 minutes so maybe they just wanted to get to the point um but yeah it's quite funny how like i remember when the episode was first kind of being you know teased they released a couple of photos of like the tardis team on their own and we now know that those scenes were like literally the scene where the doctor comes back like the bit where they're all standing there looking <laughs> yeah. a bit gormless is literally the scene that because the tardis is arriving back because the doctor's back and it is interesting. I mean, the thing, I, sorry, just to go back to the Jack thing as well, actually, I, I missed something there. Um, it was weird because for the Doctor, obviously, it's just Jack. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You kind of just have those characters together again. And we have seen that before with moving from Christopher Eccleston to David Tennant. I do think it was a little better handled with Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, like the way they kind of, it felt like a bigger deal, Jack coming back in that episode, mm. even though that episode, Utopia, was kind of about the master. This episode, you feel like, could have been more about Jack being there, whereas actually Jack felt kind of like, he just turned up in a way that it's sort of weirdly like he does in um, The Stolen Earth when he's part mm. of a much bigger ensemble, but where he'd been around quite recently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Doctor Who does famously sort of eat through ideas. That's why mm. part of why it, it's, it's so great is that it kind of, what would be um, the, the sole hook for another show is 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 but one of, of Doctor Who's many ideas that it's throwing throwing about, and you know this episode does have a lot going on. So you, you could have had a whole episode where the Doctor's locked away and and the fam are trying to um, work without her on Earth. You could have had a whole episode dedicated to Captain Jack. You could have just done a whole episode about um, about man-made Daleks. You could have just done a whole episode about a Dalek civil war. And indeed, Doctor Who has done a whole story or multiple stories about Dalek civil wars. So yeah, it, it's, it's great. I think that there's so much going on in this episode. Again, it's, it's, it's incredibly fast paced. You're not likely to get bored, but I do think maybe some of those ideas aren't quite given the breathing room that they deserved. 
You definitely, you could have even done an episode just about Robertson coming back. Do you know what I mean? Like he's sort of like, like because you know, he was a, he's a big character. Like, and he's, it's interesting that he's sort of become a sort of recurring villain of the Jodie Whittaker era and he's just some guy. <laughs> well, I, I, and I think actually, I think as much as I, I enjoyed the character the first time around, I think he works better here because mm. in, I mean, Chris Note is obviously having just a wonderful time. <laughs> and, and so his enthusiasm is infectious but also arachnids in the uk the character kind of pivots between being a genuinely loathsome villain and comic relief and i think here the the way in which he's portrayed he's more just that villain you love to hate they 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 i think they get they get the character right the tone of the character right like he's never he's never really despicable i mean he is the things he does are but in terms of how we feel about him as an audience um we don't hate robertson he's quite fun to have around which i think is why he's being set up potentially as a, as a recurring villain. Like the episode very much is open-ended. He could come back again because not entirely clear why, but because there's just a cut and it appears the doctor let him go again. And, and now yeah. he's, he's riding high and he's, he's on course for a knighthood and everyone loves Robertson. Um, not entirely sure why the doctor let him go, but I think it's just because he's too much fun to, to have around as a character. And she's like, now we're going to need someone to jazz this place up now. Um, yeah, obviously we should talk a little bit about what Robertson is actually up to. Um, so yeah, he basically stole the broken Dalek from Resolution, as we said, and had um, Leo Rugazi, played by Nathan Stewart Jarrett, uh, and his company kind of rebuild the Dalek from the ground up. Um, and Leo also, just for fun, cloned a Dalek, which is never a good move. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say, um, talking of the guest cast, I was a little disappointed by um, how little we saw of Harriet Walter um mm. as the prime minister because she basically has a few scenes with chris Noth, and then she gets killed and i was a little bit like oh okay um and yeah. then so it reminded me of when stephen fry was in spyfall like you kind of feel like they could have used them a bit more especially because harry Watt was just such a great actor um mm. and then nathan Stewart, i was a little sad because I, th I think he's a really really great actor i really loved him in misfits and stuff and i think he actually mm. does really well he's sort of following in charlotte ritchie's footsteps as the possessed dalek person but he's gone relatively quickly at least relatively quickly in the story i think he's you know, within the first half hour or so. And I was a bit like, it kind of would have been nice to sort of see him, I don't know, carry on. I mean, it's already a very big cast. Um, but I was kind of thinking, you know, oh, this, you know, I, I just kind of wish we'd see a little bit more of him. I don't know. Maybe that's just... Yeah, me. I think, I think again, this story burns through a lot of great ideas and a lot of great characters and performers very quickly. Um, again, it's that, it's that Doctor Who approach of, I think that's all, that's always been a little bit of an issue with Doctor Who. Not, not always, but, um, but you know it's happened before quite a bit that where guest cast you have these brilliant big names in Stephen Fry is a great example and they don't always have as much screen time as you would like because you've only got you know 45 minutes to an hour and there's multiple guest cast and and, and at the moment you know quite a large um, lead cast as well and you've just got to keep the story moving constantly so they kind of pop up do their little turn and then they're gone rather than it being a, a showcase necessarily for these brilliant actors yeah um, still, they you know they're all they do get to do their bit, bring the Daleks back, um, and like I said, I do think it's quite interesting how they bring the Daleks back. I think it's quite a fun idea. We sort of talked before about it being a reverse uh, victory of the Daleks, where they mm. actually have created Daleks on Earth. I think that's quite a fun idea. The idea of humanity kind of accidentally making loads of Daleks and just unleashing them. Uh, I will say, like, it was a little. Uh, I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit that everyone would be like, oh yeah, these massive sort of ominous looking robots yeah let's that, that's not an issue for like you know freedom of expression or you know right to protest we'll just have them around um yeah. and also to be honest that i was mainly distracted by the sci-fi 
uh, you know, world of large crowds and people at the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe what we need is, is Daleks enforcing social distancing. Yeah. Um, wear your mask, it goes over your nose. Um, but no, I, I like the idea of, uh, of the drone Daleks. I, I, I must admit, I laughed out loud um, during the first demonstration where they have a sort of water gun, like a Dalek with a water pistol. Um, that, that, was, that was fun. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a fun twist on the Daleks, definitely. I think the thing with the Daleks in this storyline, and there is more to talk about with them, is I did feel like, I wrote this in my preview, not that they were underused exactly, but it's interesting how much more of the episode, I'm, when I'm thinking about the episode, I'm thinking more about the characters. Do you know what I mean? The Daleks are there, because they are quite a faceless threat, I suppose, and because last time we just had that one Dalek, which is very focused. With this, it's kind of like, the Daleks of a threat, but you're kind of thinking more about, you know, Ryan, Ryan and like wanting to leave and, you know, Yaz being upset. That's kind of more the, the drama, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, Daleks, I think they, oddly, they're less powerful the more of them there are because yeah. they become a bit more faceless. So when you have just the one Dalek, like in Dalek, the, the 2005 episode, or like in Resolution, um, you can sort of drill down a bit more onto that, onto that one Dalek and it becomes more of a character. Whereas when you have... Um, as much as fans love to see Daleks attacking en masse, they do become a bit more of a characterless, um, faceless mob. I think what stops them from being totally faceless or, or voiceless, I don't know what I'm driving at, but I think, again, it is that performance from Nick Briggs who kind of, um, you know, he, he, he creates a clear distinction between different types of Daleks um, and really gives them a kind of a soul and a character. I did find it quite interesting um, how different they managed to make these Daleks look because one of the things that happens in the episode, obviously, is that we kind of get the bronze slash gold Daleks back. Um, and then that kind of reminds you that they are quite different. Like the voices are quite different of these black Daleks. Yeah. And the whole light of red thing and shooting red lasers, I thought was quite cool. Like it was just a, an interesting way to differentiate them. And it kind of made me wish that we had more like rival versions of Daleks. Like I know we briefly had the... Um, uh, you know, the New Paradigm Daleks and the Bronze Daleks. Mm. We've got to have a better name for them, the Bronze Daleks. Someone's got to come up with like a sci-fi name for it. Like have a sink plunger becomes the manipulator arm. You know what I mean? It's got to be yeah. a name. But anyway, the Bronze Daleks, um, yeah, sort of seeing how they compare, it's quite interesting because obviously the black ones are a little bit taller but thinner and they've just got mm. that slightly more plasticky kind of human-made sheen. Um, and but the, then obviously and still the, similar. And, and the, But the Bronze ones that feature in this episode aren't just regular old Daleks anyway. They're Death Squad Daleks. That's true. SAS. SAS Daleks. Um, so, so, so the episode, not only does it introduce the man-made Daleks, but you also have another kind of variant of Dalek, which I agree. I, I enjoy that when you get twists, like when you get the new paradigm, when you get Imperial versus Renegade, when you get a special weapons Dalek. Um, I think you, you never want to, as people have said, many people have said, you never want to stray too far from that iconic design and that voice and, the, and that, because that's what makes a Dalek work. But it is some, you know, fun sometimes, as well as maintaining that to you throw in a few new twists on a Dalek. Definitely. Um, we should say that the reason that the Doctor brings these Daleks in is hilarious. Um, it's very much similar to, I, I sent you a link to it, there's a Simpsons episode where mm. um, there's a, they're like overrun by, I can't remember what it is, some sort of animal. So they get all these snakes to cut, all these, all these lizards to come and eat all the insects. And then they get, you know, some, some horrible snakes to come and eat the lizards. And then it's like, oh, but then we have these snake-eating mountain gorillas we'll bring in. And it's like, but the gorillas are even worse. Go, oh, but that's the beauty of it, Lisa. Winter time rolls around, the gorillas simply freeze to death. <laughs> and it did feel a bit like that. It's like, oh no, we've got all these Daleks, you know, around the earth. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring more Daleks that are worse and have a big spaceship. And then <laughs> yeah. the thing that struck me again watching this now is that then the Doctor works out what to do with those Daleks, which I think is quite, I actually thought it was quite mm. a neat and clever idea um, for how to get rid of the Daleks. But I was like, you could have done that with the first lot. 
<laughs> like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, no, but, yeah, because because I, I I actually like the twist how it how it um folded in the the spare TARDIS mm. that because we because a lot of people were like, is there just a TARDIS on Earth now? Is that just going to stay there? But um but this episode does deal with that quite neatly, and it all um plays a part in in the climax. Um, but yeah, could she not have just done that with the drone Daleks? Good, yeah, yeah, good point. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't yeah. have fallen for it. Maybe they wouldn't have been as desperate to get the Doctor. Yeah, I, I also think it's quite handy that apparently uh, the Death Squad Daleks don't care about humans. They're, they're specifically... These are, these are Daleks specifically designed to root out impurities in other Daleks or something. I've, so I've it's fine. It before, so they won't the, exterminate any humans. They're like the copyright investigators. They're like, yeah. this is a breach. This is a breach of our trademark design. How dare you? Yeah, and I, I thought the visual of them all sort of filing into the TARDIS like that was very cool. It actually reminded me a lot of um, in Doomsday, you know, when they have that Dalek prison ship yeah. and they all come mm. flying out, which I always loved as an image. I think seeing it kind of in reverse, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional. Seeing it in reverse and then seeing that TARDIS kind of folded on itself, I thought that was such a cool visual. Um, yeah. I think actually, to be fair, the special effects in this episode are really on point. Like the way you see these new Daleks flying around with the red and the new ones, uh, the new old ones, if that makes sense. Uh, look pretty great as well but there is something i have to address which i have written about um on the website as well uh these bronze daleks they're missing something important they don't have sink plungers mm. uh so when when they brought in the resolution dalek which is kind of man-made it had little claws like, oh interesting you know i guess the plunger would look a bit silly you know how would he have made that then when this new daleks you know come in the black ones i'm like oh okay well look these ones don't have a plunger either but that's you know they're, they're built from the other one they're, they're man-made it's fine then these ones come in, which look the same as the ones we've seen before, but they don't have a plunger. I'm like, is the production team trying to, you know, whitewash Doctor Who history, pretend the Daleks don't have two kits and implements as opposed to one? I mean, there's the argument that these are Death Squad SAS Daleks who maybe don't have mm. them because the manipulator arm is for nerds or whatever. But um, I, was I was interested by that. It was just something I noticed when I was watching. I was like, oh, that one hasn't got a thing. Because we've done that before. Like in, um, in Journey's End, there were a few on Davros's sort of bit mm. of the ship who had little twisty things instead of yeah. arms but i think again it's it's one of those things that it's fine to you know um to tweak daleks and 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 give them you know um different modifications and that kind of thing but i don't think you want to stray too far from the original in original design and for me the sink plunger like has to stay or it has to make a comeback like i'm fine i'm fine with it to be absent for this uh this one outing but i think long term got to bring back the sink plunger i mean come on you've got to yeah. like i know it's kind of silly but doctor who's kind of silly like removing the sink plunger does not make daleks any less ludicrous <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where i was also wondering if like were they kind of anticipating like w wanting to kind of move away from some of the gags but i feel like people have kind of moved on from that gag anyway because you know they make the sink plunger scary uh in the revived series where it's killed a few yeah. people you know it's sort of sucked their faces yeah. off to death um so yeah, no, I, I mean, that, that was a small caveat I had. I will say, like, as with the, la the latter years of Peter Capaldi and everything, the way they sort of burnish these bronze Daleks to look all really nice and shiny is something mm. I appreciate and enjoy. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, no, we they, here. no, I was just going to say that, yeah, no, I agree. They, they, they look great, and I'm, I'm glad to see them back in this episode. But I also think, in a way, it's a shame that we're never going to see those drone Daleks again, because I actually really like how they look. I, lo I love the, the, the red light, the red lasers, as you say. Not so keen on the drone Dalek voices, I must admit. Um, they're a little I different, aren't they? They're sort of a bit kind of gravelly in a weird sort of way. They're a bit, they sound a bit more Smash Robot to me, which, <laughs> um, which I, I can imagine Twitter would have exploded 
um, when they first heard those Dalek voices and go, is that what Daleks sound like now? And it's like, no, it's fine. The bronze, bronze ones are coming back and they sound the same as they ever did. Um, but no, I, I, you know, like I say, I think there's room for all manner of Daleks. Um, and I think it would be a shame if we never see uh, the drone Daleks again. I agree. I mean, well, fingers, you know, you never know. Maybe, maybe they'll bring back the old one. I mean, maybe they'll have a different type of Dalek every time they bring the Daleks back. That's currently the theme over the last couple of years. I wouldn't mind. Um, but yeah, so obviously the Daleks end up getting defeated. You know, there's a bit of like mystery in action before that. Robertson, you know, tries to sort of go over to them, blah, blah, blah. But we're kind of all just getting to the end point because we kind of know where this episode's going. So first, before the kind of big emotional exits, we have Captain Jack's exit. After being in the mm. episode, kind of having a little heart-to-heart with Yaz that kind of prefigures, you know, what could happen to her. Uh, Jack just sort of leaves <laughs> yeah, off screen. And again, like... The, the the period where John Barrowman was in this episode, loved it. Like like I say, he immediately recaptures that kind mm. of classic Doctor Who version of Jack, which is, as he said, slightly different to the Torchwood version of Jack, definitely, where Jack definitely. has the, the weight of the world on his shoulders or the weight of Cardiff on his shoulders, and he has a team to lead, and he's he's slightly more straight-laced and serious. Um, but that, that, that sort of um, maverick, you know, happy-go-lucky, quippy version of Jack that we all love, he recaptures it perfectly. I really loved... Um, the the moments that he has on his own with Yaz, where they talk about what the Doctor means to them and their own relationship to the Doctor, um, fantastic. But not only is his entrance into the episode quite um, quite lacking in drama, but he he doesn't even get a goodbye scene, which is odd. Like there's no like you know see you later Doctor and, and salute. He's just sort of not there. Like he's he's, he's written out off screen, and then it's just a, a he just goes oh sorry I had to dash um, back back to see Gwen. Cheers. Um, yeah. Yeah, slightly odd. It is odd. I mean, it's it's. I'm glad they sort of added in. I I I can't be sure of this, but I suspect that the scene where he calls the doctor might have been added later on because when Jodie Whittaker replies, you don't see her face at any point. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think they might have added it in with additional dialogue recording. Um, but I li- I did like the Torchwood nod. I thought that was fun. I, I think it was yes. a nice thing to do. The fact that Jack said, "Oh, I'm going to stay on Earth for a while. I'm going to reconnect with Gwen." That's like a big bone thrown to the Torchwood fans, I think. Like, whether you're listening to the Big Finish series or not, it's like kind of, it's if not a hint that Torchwood, the series, could come back because, you know, that still seems a bit unlikely. Although we would have said the same about Jack being in Doctor Who again once, mm. uh, and did, I think, on this podcast, within this year. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's also a bit like, I, I, I guess it's kind of like, even if Torchwood, the series, isn't coming back, you could imagine Torchwood as an organisation or as that duo of Jack and Gwen yeah, or Blaze Miles it's... being there and being possibly in Doctor Who. If Jack's still on Earth, you know, and the fact he's saying, oh, I'll call you, like, that's kind of setting him up to come back, if not, you know, right away in the next series, but at some point, right? Yeah, it's nice to have an acknowledgement that that character of Gwen is still out there, that we know mm. what Jack's going to do next. Um, and because Jack doesn't get a grand farewell in this episode, I don't, maybe that is intentional. Maybe mm. this is but the first of many... Um, future appearances for for John Barrowman and Doctor Who, and maybe next time he'll bring Eve Mars with him. That would be so cool. I mean, I, would, I think I'd really like that. I think it would be nice to kind of bring that together. And who knows? I mean, I mean, we do know that at the moment that when they were filming uh, series thirty, John Barrowman was still uh, in America, so possibly not mm. <laughs> right away. But you never know. Um, could have been speak- something they planned. Could have been something they planned and then had to um, ditch because well, of, I wondered about you know, that. Yeah. Everything that's happening in the world. Yeah, well, fingers crossed he'll come back at some point. It'd be nice to see him again. It'd be nice to kind of see him in a bit more depth. It's also worth saying that this torture thing is kind of a bit of a personal note for Chris Chibnall, who wrote the episode, because mm. he was the head writer of uh, Torchwood for a number of years and, you know, wrote a lot for Eve Miles and John Barrowman. So it's kind of like, 
it's a little bit thing of his as well. He's quite connected to Torchwood compared to mm. even more so than, you know, like certainly more so than Stephen Moffat was and, you know, about as much as Rusty Davis was. So, yeah, it's a nice little thing. Um, but, yeah, Jack doesn't get an exit scene. But we do get one for uh, Ryan and Graham, although arguably more so for Ryan. Um, yeah, throughout the episode, Ryan's basically kind of clearly kind of a bit like, Ugh, kind of moved on from this, you know. He's kind yeah, of like, one foot oh. in, one foot out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one foot out the door of the TARDIS. Um, he and the Doctor have a bit of a heart to heart in the middle of the episode, talking about the timeless child stuff. And um, yeah, basically, Ryan decides he wants to stay. I mean, the funny thing is that I think when previous companions have gone, they've either been like pulled away, you know, by like incredible forces mm. on their control. You know, like they mentioned Rose in this episode, she's trapped in a parallel world. Donna has her mind wiped. Martha leaves because her family have all been like tortured and traumatized for a year, and she kind of needs to hang out with them. And because she's in love with and, the doctor. and and because and because the doctor is just like he, he's just totally blanking like all the hints she's been dropping. So he's exactly. just like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Yeah, she's I'm just she, she was just practicing some self-care, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas Ryan's just a bit bored. That's <laughs> 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 not entirely true. But basically, yeah. Ryan's kind of decided to take it upon himself to look after planet Earth. And, you know, he's decided that he kind of just doesn't really want to do it anymore. And I think it's quite harsh. I think you said this as well, because Graham is clearly quite happy to keep traveling. But then when Ryan isn't, he's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. I won't either. I'll just give up on my, what was it you said, his, my second lease of life and, you know, yeah. my adventures well, to go literally, out. The Doctor literally says, like, where are we going next? And Graham's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's well up for it. And then Ryan essentially emotionally blackmails him into staying because he's like, well, I don't want to leave my, my grandson with whom I've just rebuilt this relationship. So I guess, I guess I'll guess i go too. I do think, like, the, the, the scene you mentioned between Ryan and the Doctor about midway through the episode in the TARDIS, I thought it was a really nice scene again it's it's like like Tosin gets to show what he can do um much like it with the the scene with his his wayward dad in, in resolution and it's quite a long scene it's a bit mm. it's sort of a, an opportunity to kind of breathe out a little bit in the middle of the episode which I think it needed um and I think without that scene um Ryan's exit would have felt way too abrupt whereas you kind of even if you didn't know it was coming by that point you would have known it was coming because the, the seeds are, are sown um, and I think that's nice. I do, I think I said this to you, like, I, I do think it would have worked better if it didn't feel like the first time the Doctor and Ryan had ever had a one-to-one -one conversation, <laughs> which, which I'm sure it's not, but it kind of feels like that. I think we've said before that definitely of the, of the three companions, the Doctor and Ryan's relationship has always felt the most, you know, the least developed. Mm. Um, so when they're suddenly having this big one-to-one, -one, I'm like, this is great. We should have had more of this. And then this scene, which is really good, would have had even more impact. But you do, you do get that nice scene in this episode. You get a nice build up to Ryan's, Ryan's exit. And then Graham doesn't really get a lot to do in this episode. Not only does he not have as solid a reason for leaving the TARDIS, but he doesn't, he doesn't you know, loom as large as Ryan. He doesn't get the big heart to heart. He just sort of, he, he, it feels like his exit is just sort of um, you know, part and parcel of Ryan's rather than him having a, you know, a real motive for stepping off the TARDIS himself. I think you're definitely right. It feels like a Ryan exit episode that Graham mm. happens to leave in as well. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, part of me wondered whether that was a hint, and I might be reading too much into this, but um, whether that was a hint that we could see, you know, Bradley Walsh again. I will say Bradley Walsh seems much more, since um, obviously both actors have left the series, but Bradley Walsh is in a lot more of the post-show uh, press and things like that. Mm. Tosin Cole's off on his next job he's been filming, so he's been too busy. But Bradley Walsh does seem quite happy to kind of keep chatting Doctor Who and doing things like that. So I do wonder whether maybe, you know, he also did Comic-Con, so I do wonder whether he's maybe a little bit more inclined to, you know, schedule allowing, pop back for a little guest role. You know, if they ever land on Earth, maybe Graham will be like, oh yeah, Ryan's on holiday with his mates, but I can help out. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I would like that because I, like I say, I do feel like Ryan kind of reached 
you know, he had that kind of dramatic release, you know, it, it, it makes sense, his, mm. his exit, whereas um, Graham is just kind of along for the ride. So I don't feel like the show is done with Graham in the same way as it's done with Ryan. Definitely. Um, so so I'd, I'd definitely be open for a, for a Bradley Walsh comeback. Always love a bit of Bradders. Definitely. Um, I did find like, you know, I, I, I think I found that last moment where the Doctor kind of pulls them in, the four of them kind of, you know, mm. push their heads together. I found that was quite a sweet moment because... Mm. They have very much been a foursome. I will definitely, definitely say that. Like they've been a gang, and it's sort of weirdly, it's sort of, it's sort of sadder in a way than some companion exits because that's like the Doctor loses a friend and kind of you know we'll go and find another one. With this one, it's like, a, not exactly a family, but they call it the family. It kind of breaks up, you know, like mm. they kind of go their separate ways. And the fact that Yaz keeps traveling with the Doctor sort of makes it a bit sadder. Like it's kind of like a diminished mm. version. That said. I do think that it's a sort of weird message to send because basically the episode ends with Yaz and the Doctor depressed and alone in Batardis, essentially being, well, this isn't going to be as good, is it? And it's like, coming 2021. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this episode definitely, like, the, it, 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 as we said, it touches on uh, Yaz's relationship with the Doctor and, and what that dynamic is. But I think... I, you know, I, I am excited for the next series in terms of how it's going to go back to being, you know, a one doc. Uh, well, there's always one doctor. Well, not always, but <laughs> how it's going to be, you know, the doctor and one companion dynamic, um, and we're going to really get to kind of drill down into that relationship. I'm, I'm excited for that. But you're right in that this ends on a slightly odd note of like, oh, you know, we're, we're you know, we're sad that they've left. This isn't going to be as good. And then meanwhile, um, Graham and Ryan on Earth having a great time. They're going to be, yeah, sort of, they're going to be sort of like private eyes with psychic paper, taking on gravel monsters in quarries and learning to ride bikes and hanging out with Ghost Grace, having a great time. Yeah. Um, I do find it nice that they kind of, they, you know, they, they, they kind of finish the episode where they started. You know, they're on that hill, they're learning to ride the bike. They have a nice little cameo from Grace, which I think, I was wondering whether they actually got Sharon D. Clark to record that or whether they just used a bit of archive footage. I'm not sure. I think it's new. I think it's okay. new. Um, but they kind of have that moment. They have that thing together. Um, I did find it quite funny that the Doctor gives them both psychic paper, which is like quite useful, but not like, oh, we're fighting these gravel monsters. I'm from the CIA. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's sort of useful to get in but then i'm like what would ryan and graham do confronted by like a 70 foot gravel monster they're going to be like yeah, where's the yeah, that would be a... graham's got his laser shoes out you know if he kept those yeah that would um, be that would be a short spin-off unless yeah no that is what the doctor really should have gifted graham is his, is his laser shoes and he would yeah. once again bust out I, the soft shoe shuffle i feel like you know he gave when he was david tennant they um you know he gave sarah jane k9 little sonic lipstick mm. you know a few different things um, you know, yeah. whereas they just get some psychic paper Doctor had lying around. Spare bits um, of psychic paper. I've got, I've got loads. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I have two. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I do think it, it's kind of interesting to see. There's a thing that people say about Doctor Who, especially modern Doctor Who, where like every companion basically becomes the Doctor. That's kind mm. of what happens, especially in Rusty Davis era. They kind of get, when you meet them again, especially they've kind of become a version of a Doctor. And that happens as well. Like, I, get, I think Stephen Moffat said, actually, it's like they become a professional version of what the Doctor is an amateur of. Like Clara's mm. off, you know, an immortal traveling through space and time in a TARDIS. Uh, Bill is, you know, also kind of an immortal star being flying around. You've got, um, maybe not Amy and Rory so much, but, you know, you've got um, Billy Piper as, as Rose, you know, fighting, uh, fighting for the good fight in the parallel yeah. world, Earth all that defense. stuff. Yeah, Freeman Adjuman working for UNIT, like <laughs> Martha, also known as. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting to see that approach with Graham and Ryan because, like, I, I would not, I, I, I wouldn't, I would be a bit worried if they're the new, like, you know, unit's been shut down, Torchwood's gone, it's never fear, Graham and Ryan are going to take a 16-hour flight to Korea to have a look at something. <laughs> um, yeah. 
it's nice. It's it's a nice way to sort of say the journey has changed them, and they're not just going to go back to things as they are. Mm. Um, but I, it's it's interesting. I, I I would be interested to see if we see anything more of them, like whether we see more of Graham, because they've just left to kind of go back to present day Sheffield, which is where Yaz is still from. That's kind of unusual to still have that like connection with a companion who remains in mm. Batardis, at least in the modern series. So I'm kind of interested in how they go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think overall, I think I think it worked as an exit episode. It was a funny image that the last shot of of the episode is the camera pans out, the sort of romantic music swells, and Ryan just falls off his bike. Yeah, I know. Could they not have cut the episode off like a few seconds earlier and just been like, yeah, okay, we know. I, I know the point is that Ryan, you know, this isn't going to be easy. It's going to be a struggle for him to learn to ride yeah. this bike, but he will overcome because he's, you know, he's got this newfound kind of strength and and and, and, and vigor, but. The, it, ultimately the last thing we ever see of Ryan Sinclair and Doctor Who possibly ever is him falling off his bike again and it would yeah. have just been nice to, to see him literally ride off into the sunset rather than the final shot is him falling over and Graham sort of rushing to his side like oh you're right um yeah. but yeah no I think I think for me because as we said there's a lot going on in this episode some works some of it works some of it doesn't for me what what works best is um, the the interpersonal dynamics between the TARDIS crew and the you know the exit of or maybe not so much Graham but definitely Ryan's exit and, and the way in which that's played that's the stuff that works for me I think you know there's there's good and bad with um, with Jack's appearance likewise with the Daleks but I think apart from the fact that maybe Graham is slightly underserved which could be remedied if he comes back I think the you know the the, the relationships between the fam and the way in which Ryan's exit in particular plays out. That's the stuff I'll sort of take away from this episode. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. It felt like, cause we watched resolution really, it was a real contrast with resolution, which kind of was all about the action and the kind of driver of the mm. story. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of interesting because Christian will send an interview that, you know, this obviously was filmed before the pandemic. There are no pandemic references in it. You know, there's no kind of nod to coronavirus at all really, which is quite a nice bit of escapism. Um, but he did say, you know, the episode kind of seemed more appropriate as the year went on. And I did think that's true because it's about people obviously not being able to see each other and it's about connection and connections that you you lose and like that how things change and how much you can change you know if your life is put in a different direction and you know like you say I think all the different bits of the episode for me work quite well individually like I thought Jack was really good it was like he kind of just wandered back on in 2007 the way he was mm. acting like and him sort of treating it the same kind of helps sell it that it's mm. the same people or the same doctor anyway and the same Jack even if obviously at least one of those characters has been recast um, and then on the other side of it, I, I thought the way the Daleks work was pretty cool. And I thought Chris Knopf was really good. And I thought the interpersonal dynamics were really good. I think sometimes the way in which those things interacted didn't quite mesh in the way yeah. I'd like it to. Like, yeah. like, the, like, I'm like the prison stuff, I can see how you could have maybe extended that a bit longer. Like, you know, a bit like David Tennant in The Christmas Invasion, a bit more of a gap. I feel like maybe you could have, you know, made the Daleks slightly more of a focus. Maybe you could have done this, maybe you could have done that. But there's a lot to do in this episode. And it is, it's one of the longest Doctor Who episodes for a long mm. time anyway it's 70 minutes it doesn't feel that long and um yeah no i think it's i've, I've rewatched it a little bit and i think i preferred it on the second watch once i kind of knew what i was getting do you know what i mean because it's it's not the most yeah. upbeat episode either it's quite a downbeat episode which i think would have been fine normally but i think maybe um people who were kind of coming for like woohoo yeah doctor who adventure might be a bit like 
oh, everyone's left. <laughs> I think I think that's often the case with Doctor Who, especially these big episodes, where whether it's you know a Dalek episode or um, you know the first episode back in a, in a long while, which which this one is, or um, or a companion exit episode or a Doctor exit episode. You always kind of build them up and build them up, and then they can't possibly match or be exactly what you expected. So often I find I enjoy them more on a second watch, and I've only watched this episode once. And I, th I think for me on the, on the first watch, my immediate takeaways were that yeah, I, I agree with you. I like I liked a lot of what was happening in, in isolation there were a lot of strong ingredients didn't come together quite for me so yeah it wasn't quite the you know the, the parts didn't quite come together didn't quite mesh um as neatly as i would have liked um so it's kind of like a a solid a solid three star for me rather than an episode that that blew me away but there were parts of it that i really liked yeah i think i'd agree like that's kind of how i felt with it um and you know there were definitely some like one-liners and stuff that really had me laughing and you know some bits that I was like, oh yeah, I'll definitely remember that. But yeah, I mean, and I'm quite interested to see where they go next. You know, like, I, it's a shame that we're putting have to wait a really long time because I feel like I would quite like, it kind of got me in the mood to watch more Doctor Who, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and I am quite interested to see how the Yaz Doctor Dynamic goes. Um, but yeah, so that's our kind of instant-ish review uh, for Revolution of the Daleks. Uh, what did you think, listeners at home? Um, we were aware this is an extended episode, but if you're still listening, um, please do let us know in the comments uh, what you thought of the episode. You know, was it, better or worse than any recent ones anything you would like to see different um, any bits you particularly loved and you know whatever you think about the upcoming series and you know how it's going to focus on the Doctor and Yaz and whether you were emotionally moved by uh, Ryan falling off his bike again uh, <laughs> in the final shots of the episode oh and please somebody uh, please let me know if you also noticed that the last words of the episode were you're doing it mate uh, a yeah. classic line from Graham yeah which, which, which they may have um, added on in ADR. Oh, I'm not sure, but I'm so, I'm so glad they did. That Ryan's, uh, sorry, Graham's final line is "You're doing it, mate," which is absolutely like, I think the most iconic Graham line. So. It's absolutely iconic. That and we don't get aliens in Sheffield. Um, <laughs> so yeah, basically, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back with more Doctor Who podcast fun in the rest of the new year. We'll be back on Wednesdays uh, from here on out. So we've been jumping around a bit to accommodate. Uh, various embargoes and this episode I mean, no one knows what day it is over christmas anyway that's true that's true um yeah if you want to read more about the episode we've got loads of content on radiotimes.com and more coming out over the weekend loads of uh, behind the scenes kind of chats and things like that and yeah should be loads of good stuff uh, anyway until next time i've been hugh i've been morgan and this has been our first and possibly last doctor who review of 2021 uh so i hope you enjoyed it goodbye <laughs>